on the shoulders of dwarves, a weekly podcast about role-playing games. Hello, and welcome to another episode of On the Shoulders of Dwarves, a weekly podcast about role-playing games and the gamers who game them. My name is Iran Aviram. And my name is Uri Lifshitz, yo! And Uri has so much energy, but I have no energy. And I came completely lacking any sort of capability. Mental power, prowess. <laughs> Anything at all. And so what Uri does when such a thing happens is, of course, say, well, let's do an episode about that. And that's what we're doing. Occasionally, you arrive at the session and you just don't have the energy to, to run the game or as a player to play the game. You just, you just can't do it right now. I mean, maybe you can, but it's more like... <sighs> it's more, more like, like a chore than a fun game. Yes, exactly. But, but that's not the end of the world. <gasps> there are things that can be done and there are things that can be said about such a session. So let's... Do it now, and hopefully we'll provide you with some tools, maybe not to revitalize yourself, but at least to have a fun session nonetheless. And we'll also discuss a bit why it's important to have a session anyway. Let's start. Now, I'm going to say this first. Of course, there's always the option to cancel the session. Yes. It's fine. You're feeling really lousy. You had a bad day. You're exhausted. It's better to cancel the session than having a night with your friend in which everyone are miserable because one of you is miserable. Having said that, that sucks. We enjoy playing the game. That's why we meet every hopefully week or two weeks or a month or whatever you can get away with. And we love doing that. So we're going to give you a few tips on how to make the session fun, even though you have zero energy to work with. Now, I'm just going to say a little bit something about myself. I teach improv. I love improv. I think it's the second best hobby a person can have after <laughs> role-playing because I teach both improv and I play a lot of role-playing games. I sort of combine the two of them and I teach improv for GM workshop and improv for role players workshops. And I have some insights about specifically getting the energy. Now, the two most obvious and basic exercises in improv is before you're going to do a show, you have to warm up. You have to warm yourself up and warm up in improv are done both physically, like doing actual physical warm-up. We, we do games and not just, you know, push-ups. That's what well, that makes it more fun and get, puts you in the mood. And we also do mental warm-ups in order to get, you know, the, the idea and the creativity flowing. And I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to post a few links in the show notes uh, toward games which are fun that you can do by yourself or with the players before the game just to get all the juices flowing and give yourself some energy. Now, you can also psych yourself up before a show or before a session. Uh, you know, just talk to yourself, say, whoa, this is going to be a great scene. I'm going to do this and this and this, and it's going to be awesome. It sounds artificial to me. Uh, you know what? You can say, okay, if you're going to run four kilometers right now, I don't know how much that in miles. That sounds like an artificial way of, you know, revitalizing yourself and getting the sweat going, okay. etc. You're right. Of course it is. But the end result is the same. Interesting. The end result is that you have more energy and your mind is more geared up toward whatever it is you want to do. Okay, interesting. Maybe if you focus on specifically the things that you are looking forward to, the things that you most enjoy in the game. As a GM, maybe you are looking forward to have some sort of a twist or a fun combat encounter that you were waiting for. Maybe you can bring it up front and, and say to yourself, well, maybe, maybe I'll do it today. Maybe, maybe I'll make sure that something fun to me that I was waiting for will happen today. That's exactly the kind of psyching up that I'm talking about. Awesome. Awesome. Another important tip probably the most it's one of the two most important tips that i ever received in my life i think uh, as, as a performer 
And that is, if you are feeling a genuine emotion, a real emotion, not something uh, mechanical or part of the show, you are feeling a genuine emotion, use that emotion. That is an amazing catalyst, both for inspiration, for energy, and for honesty. This concept works amazingly well, whether you're a GM, a player, or as a person speaking out of character. If there's a tension around the table, you can say, guys, I'm feeling a lot of tension around the table. How can we solve this? If you're speaking as a character and you know you're, you came to the session, you're really tired, use that tiredness and say, okay, my character is really, really tired. You are minimizing the distance between yourself as a player and your character, and you are using the emotion you, the player, has and let them bleed over to your character, which gives you a lot of an, an easier experience, a fun way to play the game, even though you are now very sad or very tired or very or exhausted or morose. You can use those things, and instead of letting them drag you out of the character, pour them into the character. That's interesting. Uh, maybe it's a way for you to say, well, I, I've actually never played my Dwarf Barbarian tired before. It was always so energetic and everything was cool and he so liked everything going around him and he was so excited. Maybe now that I am super duper tired, maybe he'll be tired as well and uh, let's see what happens. Hey, I'm looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. Now, th- these are very general concepts. Why don't we delve in mm. to the main problem? And I think the main problem is when a GM arrives to a session and she just doesn't have the strength to run the game. So the most easily and available solution is to run something different today. Now, this doesn't have to be, okay, let's take out the board games and play board games. It can be, and it can be a lot of fun. But it can also be something unusual about your campaign, which is what we call in anime world a filler episode. A filler episode is where you take a break from the ongoing story and do something else with the characters. There are a lot of classic filler episodes, we'll talk a bit about them now, in which you do a sort of something unusual just for the unusualness of it. <laughs> and it doesn't serve any purpose story-wise. It doesn't propel the plot forward. It might help the characters have some interesting character moments. But that's basically it. It's usually funny, but it doesn't have to be funny. I think it might be easier to understand the filler episode if you would understand its origin. A lot of anime are based off manga, of yeah, comics and oftentimes it would happen that the comics reach a certain point and the anime have to surpass that point because you have a deadline and a schedule and you book your airtime a lot in advance so what would happen is that the person writing the anime will going to say okay i can't make any major plot decision or kill off characters or do anything beyond this point because i don't know what the future is going to be it's in a way like what's happening in Game of Thrones. You know, we, we passed the books now. Uh, what are we going to do now? So you just fill the airtime with whatever, something that doesn't advance the plot or change the character in any way, so you can go back to the plot once it's published. So let's talk a bit about types of filler episodes. The classic is the childhood flashback, where you replay a part of the character's childhood in some way. Let's, for example, say that the last session ended with you ready to enter the throne room of the horrible dragon king, whatever, and you don't have the strength in you today to run that encounter for whatever reason. So you say, guys, I can't do this. How about instead... Let's say you have a flashback. All of you now have a flashback about your childhood. And let's run a funny session 
with your childhood characters, like tiny little chibi, small <laughs> um, Uri running around and doing sort of things or whatever in a very childhood easy... When I grow up, I'm going to be a barbarian and I'm going to kill dragons and sh- stuff and shit, said the, <laughs> the wizard of the party as a child. And that can be a lot of fun and very easy going, but it can also be taken in a dramatic way spin while uh, when you reveal things about your characters and maybe the relationships from the young or whatever another type of session is the body swapping session where which you, is awesome <laughs> it is awesome best. i've used it in like every campaign i've ever done not necessarily as a filler yeah it's such a great trope you wake up in the morning and you are supposed to continue down the road toward whatever, whatever. But again, the GM doesn't have the, the, the strength necessary or doesn't have the, the, the next part of the road prepared. So instead, you switch your bodies and something funny is happening in the inn. Everything is just around the inn and whatever, where you just run around and being confused for other people. <laughs> the, the most Shakespearean thing you can do. I think the best example I've seen of a body swapping, uh, well, episode, shall we say a TV episode, is in Farscape. They did a whole episode with body swapping. It was hilarious. It, of course, the plot never moved forward because everything stops until you can switch bodies back. Mm. And I'm just going to add that you know everything we say here as a filler as a, an interesting idea to run when you don't have the strength to run a regular session you can of course take them and use them as special of sessions of course of course i mean and we will have i think an entire episode devoted for the special session but for now these sort of sessions can be used with i mean any simple system you have around you don't have to use the regular system you always use you can just take the most simple thing savage worlds just for example because that's sort of my go-to, or Genesis, which is another one of my go-tos, and just say, okay, you're kids now. Okay, you switch bodies now. And just roll some dice and just have some fun with no consequences and with no need to know anything in advance. Another amazing gaming session is the dream session. Basically, all your characters wake up and they discover they're inside the dream. Mm -hmm. And stuff happens. Now, this can go in a myriad of directions. This can be, a okay, we're in a dream. How did we get stuck in a dream? Ooh. And, you know, at the end of the session, they find a way to get back to the real world by cooperating or the power of love or whatever. It doesn't matter. We just wanted them to get over this session. And they discover there's an ancient wizard in the room with a glowing orb who caused them to be captured in their dream. Now... This is an awesome episode because basically you can just say whatever you want that happens and it happens. I love dream episode because it gives you as a GM the power to make nonsensical things but make them work. You can have the entire session in the dreamscape of one specific character. You can jump between dreamscape. You can have people roll if they can influence the reality around them. And it's and it's loads of fun. I will say this, though. Separate between a dream session, in which the entire episode happens in a dream, and the players slash characters are aware of that, or become aware of it really quickly. And the famous trope, it was all a dream, which is usually annoying. <laughs> it doesn't have to be annoying but yeah it doesn't have to be if done right it's awesome but it's it's a bummer to play an entire session only so at the end of the session someone's yes. gonna, gonna say okay that was all a dream let's ignore that and move on yes yes you need to know that, that there are no usually... consequences from the get-go it should be something that you the gm and the players uh, agree upon when you just come to the session and say, guys, I can't do the regular game today. How about we do something with no consequences? And they all say, yeah, sure, yeah, fun. Not the other way around. Um, by the way, that's a basic difference, I think, between you and me. I, I, If I decide to run a session, I will most likely not tell my players that I'm running a filler or that I don't have the energy. But I think it's because I'm very confident in my ability 
to not show my tiredness okay. or the fact that I don't have energy. I don't um, want to always be an actor in front of my players. I, I occasionally, of course, am, but I don't... Oh. Sometimes you have to be, you have to, you know, keep a straight face when some horrible shit is going <laughs> a lot, on behind the A lot the of times you screen. have to, to manipulate, in a way, the players, I think, for a fun game. But I am not... Well, if I don't have the strength to run a game, I surely don't have the strength to put on a face. I will just tell them and ask for forgiveness and for a, a different type of fun for tonight. Let us continue with the lower deck session, named for... The Lower Deck episode, uh, which is a trope. It's the type of episode in a TV show where you see a cast of characters that is not a regular cast of characters, more like the, the B team or even the C team or even people that you've never seen before but are said to be several ranks below the main characters. Uh, it's named after an episode from Star Trek The Next Generation where people from the lower deck, those sort of, I mean, the Enterprise is huge. They have a thousand people, but we always only see the bridge crew. So this episode was about people from the lower deck, those that are a few ranks below Picard and everyone, and what happens to them and how they see the main characters, which were just going in the background for everything that was happening instead of the other way around. I just want to point out a few levels below them doesn't necessarily mean in any hierarchical sense, but rather as importance goes. Yes, yes. This is an episode usually focused on the minor NPCs which are always in the background and you bring them forward and show everything from their perspective. Yes. There's an amazing, amazing, amazing example for that. Very well executed from Babylon 5, the, the sci-fi series. Surprisingly, from the fifth season. Hmm. Which is the worst. Uh, yeah, but after re-watching the show a few years back, I have to say it's not as bad as I remembered. And in fact, it has some of the best gems in the series. Really? From okay. my point in a second watching, not in the first watching. In the first watching, you just, the fourth season end and then you're bummed out for the rest of the fifth season. Hmm. Uh, but there's an episode called A View from the Gallery, following the daily routine of two maintenance guy who has nothing to do with the story. And in the background, there's this amazing story. You see images from outside the windows where there's amazing battles and things blow up and people in the command deck are yelling and you see it's all in the background. And it's just going and following the routine of two regular Joes. And you see everything from the, the regular guy's perspective. You know, you're not playing the big, amazing heroes. You're playing the villagers who have heroes move in, make a lot of noise, supposedly saving the world, but it has very little to do with them. I have an article about uh, storytelling techniques and storytelling styles and the like that can be useful here if you want to maybe have another perspective on your game in order to use it in, in a session like that. I'll give a link in the show notes. Another type of unusual session that you can do is running a game from the villain's point of view. That's an amazing idea. When I do that, and it's usually come to me as a surprise that I'm going to do a, a villain's point of view session today, I just take a piece of paper, I write the names of few major villains, I give a one or two sentence description of those villains. You, you know, uh, Brotus the Blue... A wizard, bold, blue robes, uh, secretly is a transformed dragon captured in the body of a human. And I would just place those on the table. I would ask each player to pick one at random. And my players will, for the rest of this session, play the villains. I will usually do this in a council format, where I will be playing one of the villains probably the head villain, 
who would say, okay, we have problem with these player characters and they're really ruining our plans. I need suggestions how to deal with them and maybe move the timetable ahead. What, what ideas do you have? And then the players playing the villains will debate what's the best way to stop their own characters. Now, one of the reasons that I love doing this sort of episode is because of one simple rule which I've learned as a GM in my life. And that is, no matter how hard you try, you will never cause as much damage to the player characters as the players. Giving the players that power to come up with ideas of how to damage and harass their character is an amazing tool for them to give you ideas and inspirations. It's also a great idea how to flash out and give depth to those villains because now there's someone playing them and suddenly they have a voice, they have a face, they have a, a unique well, way of talking and thinking. And that's fun. Finally, there's a very simple thing you can do and just say, well, your characters have the night off. What are they doing when they don't have the strength to adventure? So they might be playing a game and then you'll play your characters playing a game inside the game. It doesn't have to be a role-playing game. It probably shouldn't be. It probably should be something like Three Dragon Ante, which is... <laughs> which is a, My favorite card game ever. Which is a card game by Wizards of the Coast, which is supposed to be played in-world anyway. So what you can do is just play it in the actual world, but do it as your characters. Have a game that is played by your characters in-game, and so you have both a session of your role-playing game and a game board night, sort of. I mean, you probably shouldn't play something that is completely out of context for the world that you are in. It can be also as simple as playing, I don't know, chess or having a tournament between all of you, but in-character. I should really note here that Savage Worlds, we mentioned it before, it's a, an excellent system. I've been using it a lot lately. I've been running it. I'm using it in my comics. I've been using it for the past uh, year or so. And it, they have an interesting system called interludes that can be used to handle a session like this. Well, uh, I, I can't run a regular session. How about we'll run interludes for everyone instead? And that's basically sort of a combination of the first things we said with the last thing we said. You draw cards for everyone, and there's a this very simple table in the book, and we'll actually give a link to it in the show notes because they've released it as its own single sheet PDF. And you draw a card, and according to the suit, you have to say something. Something, a story of something about your character. You can do it in character, you can do it out of character, again, the storytelling article can be really useful here. You can use the exploration slash uh, travel rules that Savage Worlds have, that have a variation on this, with you draw something and something interesting happened, tell me what it is, according to the suit. And you can do it for an hour, even at two, if you are willing to go forward with this and just not just make it into a, okay, uh, it's a tale about victory. I uh, won a bar fight once. Yay! Continue on. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it's amazing when you think about some of the role-playing systems that, that you know, and you can just point at one of them and say, that game system has a subsystem which is amazing, and I'm going to take it with me to pretty much every game yes. that I'm going to yes. run. I, I think Savage Worlds interlude is like this. Uh, Fate city or setting creation yes, exactly. is like that for me. I think that every campaign or game that I'm going to run for the rest of my life will probably start with fate setting creation system because it doesn't matter what role-playing game you're playing. It's just it's that much more fun when you have a, a collaborative creation of some elements. Finally, you can also run a storytelling game instead of the regular game. There are several very good storytelling games. There's, for example, Intrepid, which I, I enjoy on, on various occasions. There's The Quiet Year and my game that's based on it, Venture Forth. Microscope, which is a game about creating history. 
um, and you can create as much or as little history as you want. Fiasco, which you can always use to make things more interesting for an hour and a half. And the thing is, you can use all of these games by themselves, of course. But again, if you want to sort of still role playing, you can either play them in game, in character, or play them about your campaign world. Okay, let's play Microscope about the campaign world. None of the things that are happening here will be canon but we can still do it it'll be fun let's create some stuff and at the end of the night you might actually want to take some of the things that were created and keep it in the actual game that's it about types of sessions that you can run but but there are other things you as the gm can do you might want to still run your regular session your regular game exactly as planned despite not having within you the strength necessary to do so. You can still do it. Here are some tips. First, you can let the players lead this session. Instead of being the one that is entertaining and thinking about the next twist and whatever, let them do the fight, do the whatever, have the day in the market. And when a player turns to you and asks about something, turn the question back at them. Uh, I'm walking down the street and I, uh, I'm looking for uh, a shop where I can buy some swords. Uh, is there a sword shop in town? Uh, yes, sure. Okay, yes, there's a sword shop in town. Um, there's something interesting about the seller there. Uh, what is it? What? Why are you asking me? Because I don't have it in me to create a new NPC. So you create <laughs> it. What's interesting about that seller? Uh... They have... He has the best swords ever in a very big discount. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. And you as a GM now maybe need to think about, okay, yeah, okay, that, that works. But why are cool. they in discount? Maybe they were... Well, stolen. they only last for four days. Maybe they only last for four days. Something interesting that will come to mind will pop up and will be awesome. If you use a system like Fate or Dungeon World or anything powered by the Apocalypse, it's super easy to do so because that's basically how you play these games anyway. But you can release the reins even more. Like, for example, in City of Mist, which is a game that I, I full disclosure, was an editor of, a lot of the time you need to be in control of the story because you want to place the players in a situation where their characters are faced with an interesting dilemma. Maybe this session, you, you can't do this. So you just tell one of the players, or even all of them, look, guys, I, uh, I have no idea what to do today. I just have some general concept. But, you know, this game is a conversation. So how about you guys push forward more than me today? More than I usually do. You create some NPCs. You tell me what, what you're doing. What's happening to you? You guys do it. The rules still behave the same way. Here are some of my principles. Here's something that I wanted maybe to do today. I wanted to place you, Uri, in a dilemma uh, between your identity and your mystery. I, I wasn't sure how to do it. Maybe you have an idea? Yeah, I, I definitely think that if you would uh, play the family angle, maybe someone threatening my sister in, in public, I would definitely be torn between That's uh, awesome. two so, different... So tell me who's threatening your sister. Let, let's continue. You, you continue telling me what's going on. Who's threatening your sister, etc., etc., etc. It's an excellent way to think of creating the story by asking questions rather than revealing facts. And I think that question is the most powerful tool a GM has. So always practice asking questions that will generate yes. interesting things in the game world. It will make it so much easier for you to come to the next session because you'll know that you don't actually need all that energy. You don't actually need all that strength within you to approach this game and head on face it because... There's no need for such an expenditure of creative energy. You, you can ask the players. I think ever since I've discovered this trick, and by that I mean Red Dungeon World, <laughs> I've, it's been so much easier for me to run games. I really, I don't think I had a session like the one we are talking about ever since that day. That's amazing. Yes, I think, I uh. think so. Uh, another system, of course, that does the same thing is Genesis with the narrative die, which is why whenever I run a one-shot, I use these dice. 
I don't need to do a lot. The dice do most for me. That's amazing. I, I personally always want to use a player as my die uh, in, in some sense, but, mm. you know, whatever works. It's as simple as that. Now, of course, you can go all out with this and just let someone else run this session. Yeah. Play a one-timer uh, or even do the amazingly wonderful mistake of letting someone GM in your own campaign <laughs> for one or more. I, I, I think it w was like 20 years ago when I told a friend, listen, I'm, I'm a bit tired of GMing because I've been doing it for in the last four years. I want to play in the world which I created. So could you, you know, GM for a bit? And in that specific uh, campaign world, the the capital was called Specularum, huh. as, as a tribute to the old Specularum from uh, star, yes. years ago. And he said, "Fine, I'm gonna I'm gonna run four sessions like a, a short adventure." And I said, "Awesome! Uh, what's it titled?" And he said, "It's called Specularum is burning down." <laughs> yes, the setting and of Specularum. <laughs> yeah. The, the, in hindsight, might have been a mistake. Uh, but fine, you know, you, if you love something, let it go. In my game, I don't think that would happen because my players, each of them, have a one-shot they've been dreaming about doing for months or years. They have this storytelling game that they really, I think, untold does, it's, it's the latest one, that they're dying to try out. And this can be an excellent opportunity to do so. Now, a very big question is, why do we actually need to meet tonight if you don't have it in need to run a game? And the answer is, continuity is important. Simply having your game week after week or, or twice a week or once per two weeks, or I don't know how many times you've met, good, good for you anyway, hour. <laughs> is important because otherwise the game will... Dissipate? Yes, will just evaporate into smoke. I mean, missing a single session is uh, is not a big deal, but it can become missing two sessions and missing three sessions or whatever. And again, that's not the end of the world. But if you arrive at the game, if all of you, the players and the GM, agree that missing a session should be avoided, not at all cost, but the default should be, no, let's not miss a session if we can, even if we're tired. That's a good place to start with to try to stop this dissipation from happening. It might still happen, but if week after week you say, no, guys, let's see how we can play instead of, okay, uh, let's not play. You might discover that you have to not play this week. Maybe one of you guys just can't make it and his character was super important. So you can play without him or whatever. I don't know. That can happen. Okay. And we'll miss this session. I would highly recommend checking the book Odyssey from um, Engine Publishing, the guys from Gnome Stew. They really know what they're talking about in all of their books. But Odyssey was one of the best books I've read because it talks about campaigns, how to keep, how to create and keep, maintain and end your campaign. And manage, and manage, very important, how to manage your campaign uh, throughout and keep track of everything it it really i know a lot of people that odyssey uh, put gave them a system to work with as gms yes not in the role playing but as how do i manage this the stack of information and things i need to do and not getting my campaign to die on me yes because nothing i think hurts more than seeing a campaign you love just evaporating into fine mist because of reasons that you are not sure about. Why did this happen? I don't know. We just stopped playing. That that happens sometimes. We can try to prevent it with things like Odyssey and with some of the advice that we can give now. Like, for example, in order to keep continuity, I would highly recommend having two things. First, Somewhere online, when you can chat with your friends, I would recommend a WhatsApp group. We've discussed this before, actually, in one of the previous episodes. 
because in the WhatsApp group, you can talk about things that happened in the game and what you're looking forward to and how you leveled up your character. And here's a funny thing that is slightly somewhat related to the game. And oh, tell me about other games you're running and whatever. And the second thing is deadlines. If you, for some reason, have to skip a game night, that's fine. If you have to skip free I don't know, maybe the GM has to go and do something for a month or two. This is the time to decide on a deadline. Okay, you're out for two months, but on the 1st of April, you're back, and that's our next game. That gives everyone something to look forward to. That gives us a date that we can check to see if we maybe passed it, and then we've missed this session, and we need to reschedule. Deadlines are not there to keep at any cost, but by having them, you keep the running a game is the default mentality in the back of your head, which is the way that you'll keep playing. Let me point you to Uri's first law of, mo of campaign <laughs> motion. A campaign at rest tends to stay at rest because the strongest force in the universe is inertia. Okay, if something is already happening, it's easier to let it keep on happening. That's the best and worst uh, of humanity. So if you have a campaign and that campaign is running, try to keep it running. The minute it's at rest, it, the tendency is to keep it at rest. Yeah, other things happen. Other things happen, life move on. There was a great tip about if, for example, you're meeting once every two weeks, every every other Monday. So at the Monday, which you don't play in, send a weekly question, send a reminder, send a funny picture. Ah, look, this reminds me of our barbarian. He can't cast spells either. <laughs> or whatever. And I think that the person in charge of this doesn't have to be the GM. Someone nope. should be in charge. Everyone should feel some responsibility, but someone should probably actually be in charge and it doesn't have to be the GM. It just needs to be someone that is willing to be the person that's keeping us thinking about the campaign. Yep. Well, we've mentioned this many times that a GM have a lot of responsibilities, but they don't have to remain with the GM. When we played, when Iran yes. was my dungeon master, uh, like we said, he was the dungeon master. However, someone else was in charge of ordering the pizza. Someone else was in charge of actually setting and organizing the time, the dates for the sessions. So Iran could focus on writing the adventure and NPCs and doing all the amazing stuff he did. Hmm. Let's move on and talk about the players. Because players? most of what we've said was about the GM and good for her. But players sometimes too arrive at the session and they are like Ugh. and we should make it clear players are being asked to do a lot of things around the table it's not like they just come here and are needed to be entertained by the gm no a good player will be thinking about other players as well and about how to entertain them and and we'll point you at uh, episode 11 that we did about the 11 uh, uh, rules for a good was it rules suggestions ways, ways eleven to ways be a to good be a role, role player. player exactly uh, and and you're asked to do a lot of things you might not do, have the energy to do it in a specific session and that's that's fine you can for example lay back during the game let the others lead be more of an audience this time roll the dice when you do something that is fun and cool and that you enjoy and the rest of the time may, maybe you don't have to kick the doors this time maybe you can just laugh at the jokes that the others do a great suggestion for that is to simply always aid another. Yes. Uh, both mechanically, if you're playing with the aid another mechanic, and emotionally at the table. If one of the other players goes, yes, Kronk the Barbarian will kick the door and storm inside, you can simply go, yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to be right behind you, buddy. <laughs> as simple as that. You made someone feel good. If there are a lot of players in your group, it can be quite easy for one of them to say, well, I'm, I'm not coming today because you have enough players to run a game. 
And that's fair, I, in one of my groups we had six players in the rotation, but actually we would play if we had at least four. And that happened quite a lot, because six players in, in our age, <laughs> it's hard to find a time where we all can play, even though we played online, it will be a bit easier. We, we, we did play from four different continents, so that's a thing as well. Ah, uh, wow. Um, the thing is, even if you are doing so, it's still important to be part of the loop. Even if you didn't come to this session, still participate in the WhatsApp group. Ask about what happened. Maybe just re read what others written about what happened or whatever. Make sure that you are not disconnecting yourself from the game just because you allowed yourself to skip a session. Again, things happen. Not everyone can play every week. That's fine. That's fine. Just try to default to how can I play next time? How can I remain in the group? Not that way out. And li li like we mentioned before, this these things have inertia. If you are serious about arriving to sessions every single time, other people will as well. Uh, I'm currently playing with a gaming group. We've been playing together for five years. This is our second campaign. And I can honestly say that in five years, I think I've missed 1d6 sessions in five years. Not because I'm such, um, you know session above everything kind of person I am, but that's <laughs> beside the point, because we as a group decided that we're making the time and doing this a priority, and we all acknowledge that we're all very busy. We have kids, we have jobs, we have other hobbies, which are not as fun as role-playing, but still important, and we all try to not cancel session and make an effort for ourselves, for the campaign, and for all the others. Finally, if something heavy, emotionally involved or whatever, is supposed to happen tonight between your character and someone else's character, but you don't have the energy to get into it, maybe you are even, you just have no idea what to do, or maybe you just say, it's such a long day at work, can I just roll some dice and kill some dragons or whatever? You can decide not to do it. It's really easy. <laughs> Nothing is set in stone and you are a bunch of friends playing around a table. If you don't have it in you to do it today, just say to the other player, maybe to the entire group, how about we do it some other time? Maybe we'll do it in emails or something after the game. Can, can we? And just skip it. And even if it was supposed to be the most amazing fight between you and another character about something important... Just decide on one way or the other and do the fight afterward. Or ask the GM to intervene and make sure that you can't do the fight, that you don't have the time for it for whatever reason. Maybe orcs kick the door or whatever. It can be done if you're just flexible. And it's also a lot of fun instead of sometimes working toward a point to just roll a single... Okay, you know what? Your character annoyed my character. We're going to have this huge argument now, and one of us is going to stab the other. Let's roll just to see who stabbed the other and fill in the blanks later. <laughs> okay, that works. It's, it's amazing. It's so much more fun in some cases that you have to think, okay, my peace-loving bard has stabbed the barbarian. Okay, now I have to think of what could the barbarian have said or d done that would cause my character to be so enraged that he would stab him even though it would make no sense whatsoever. This is These are interesting questions that you can play with when you have the energy to. Okay, I think I think that's basically it. That was our episode for today. I hope that you are more energized, or at least know how to handle yourself next time you won't have the energy to play a game. Uri, any final words? Dear listeners, I'm just going to say this. We've all played characters who failed their saves. Their fortitude save, their will save, their reflex saves... Uh, save versus dragon breath if you played long enough we've all had those and if you would think back you would realize that when your characters were down were poisoned bitten uh, near death or dead 
it didn't make the game less fun. Most of the time, it was the other way around. It added to the excitement. And lack of energy is just another state. Like all the rest, you as a player have simply failed the fortitude check. This is not the end. This is just a challenge that makes the rest of the game and your life more interesting. Good for you, Uri. <laughs> and now it's time to take the load off. Ah, taking the load off. In this part of the show, we talk a bit about what happened to us last week and what will be happening to us next week. I'd like to talk about my weekly article. I post a new article every week for the up to 4 players website on Thursday about something that is usually related in some way to what happened on the page. I think most of them are pretty awesome articles, if I do say so myself. And this one was about customizing house rules for your player characters. Because, for example, it might be that one of your characters uses a specific action again, again, in a specific way. And it doesn't, they don't exactly get what they want from that action. So you want to household it. However, if you make it too powerful and allow that new action to do a lot of things or do them very well, then actually only one player is going to benefit from it. The player that is using this action. And although it is technically available to other players as well, they won't be doing it because, like, for example, they don't have the throwing skill. So they're not going to do the cool new throwing trick that you allowed. So I gave a specific example from my 50 Fathoms game uh, because we did something sort of like it in the game uh, with the Fathom Foot, which is my take from One Piece, an anime about pirates that we decided to sort of combine with 50 Fathoms, which is a campaign about pirates, although 50 Fathoms is about pirates with wenches and dysentery, and One Piece is about pirates that are evil and have superpowers, basically speaking, and it's a lot more cartoonish, so that's, that's what we're going for. And the Fathom Food gives you very specific special powers forever, and in a way, it makes your character use a household that no one else can. So I've written about how I use the strength fruit, how I created it, and why to allow Aviv's character to do some things, and why I think it's probably balanced, at least for now, and we'll have to see later. It's an excellent article, and everyone should read it. Another thing, I just want to mention it now, next week, our Crystal Ball article is out. We do an article every month for our patrons. Uh, it's called Crystal Ball because it's about something from Crystal Heart. And this time it's going to be an adventure. Uh, six pages, which was a huge effort to do, and I'm not going to do it again. But it's actually actually a pretty good adventure, I think, uh, adventure we got, we got out of it. So thank you, patrons, for su suggesting writing as the concepts around which everything was created. Uri. Yeah, uh, first of all, in my last gaming session, we had new tokens because one of our party is an amazing artist and he created new portrait for all the characters. And that it's one of those things that, you know, someone does and it's immediately make everyone really excited. Mm. Because if someone invests in the game outside yes. the gaming yes. session, it's kind it's catching and it's uh, awesome. I have an article. Um, about it. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah, it's but the, the cycle of uh, um, investment and creativity. Uh, I'm gonna add a link to the to to the portrait just because I'm I'm so excited sure, sure, about that. Sure. Uh, I haven't done much role playing some stuff except playing because I was. Right, there's a, a con convention in two months, I think, uh, in Israel called Olamot. That convention is a sci-fi and fantasy conventions. A lot of lectures, a lot of cool stuff, and there's also a short story competition, which I wrote the short story and submitted it for the contest. I'm also doing two lectures during. Uh, the Olamot Convention uh, were both about anime because there's not enough quality theoretical knowledge about anime in Israel in conferences, mm. in conventions. 
So I'm doing a lecture about Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is basically a 45-minute rant about yes. <laughs> why they're still stuck in the past and redoing the same old stuff again and again. And another lecture, which is um, an introduction to anime for people who have never seen anime and want to try but don't know what they'll enjoy or where they can read or understand more. And Japanese is confusing. So <laughs> how do we, what do we, where, how? The, so that's my other lecture. We'll give a link to our Israeli listeners that want to go to Olomot and uh, check Uri out so you can do so. You're more than welcome. And yesterday, there was an amazing event. Every year before the con uh, convention, they do a special workshop for lecturers. People who, this is their first or second time lecturing in a convention, come. And there's a three-hour workshop about how to make your lecture better. And I was invited to lecture in that <laughs> workshop. Uh, because the regular lecturer was sick, so I filled in, and it was awesome. It, it's so much fun seeing so many people who are diehard fans of fantasy and science fiction, and they have this spark in them about something that that resonates with them, and they want to talk about that, and they want other people to be exposed to the wonderful insights that they have on that whatever that excites them and maybe they're not you know practice lecturers so they don't know how to get people as excited as they are and it's amazing to work with people of such devotion and help them bring out that awesomeness that they want to share with the world excellent excellent and talking Excellent. about sharing awesomeness with the world, if you want to share some of this awesomeness that you've just heard, which is obviously the best, the, the, the heights of your week, you can do the same <laughs> next week on Monday. You can every check Monday. us every Monday at dwarfcast.net. Uh, you can see us in the Twitters and the Facebooks at Dwarf Podcast. And you can send us emails, which we will read. We'll even make a whole episode about it if, if you want to. To show at dwarfcast.net. Do note if you want us to do a show about it. Do note if you are willing for us to mention your name and any other details that might be important in the email. Indeed. Feel free to share this or any other episodes or recommend this or any other episodes to your fellow gamers. The biggest help that you can do for us is to, to let share. people know we exist. Yes, exactly. Share it on social media and, of course, rate us on iTunes and other podcast listening apps. Thank you very much, Uri. Thank you very much, Iran. And now we shall say the goodbyes. <gasps> On the Shoulder of Dwarves is shared under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Form. The intro and outro are taken from Silly Fun by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3. Find us at dwarfcast.net and follow us on Twitter or Facebook.